0: He was older than his age appeared. He kind of shuffled into the room. Life had been difficult for him. His shoulders were kind of bent down under the weight of care and concern that he carried inside of his physical body. He was tired, but he had work to do, and so he walked into the room, and he he kind of waited for a moment, hoping that his friend Tertius would show up because he was going to be doing most of the writing that particular day. He arranged the desk, and he kind of rubbed his hands back and forth across the rough surface. He tried to stretch out his back a little bit, but but scars don't stretch. Some of the scars he had to own, they were the product of his own disobedience. Other scars he wore simply because he followed Jesus. But he was okay with that because Jesus had scars too. He began to to work himself up to a place where he was going to begin to to write. And because Tertius hadn't arrived, he picked up a pen himself and dipped it in the ink, took the papyrus and began to to script out the words to, to the church in Rome who are loved by God, called to be saints. The second he started writing, it was as if another hand came and began to guide his. It was as if something came and wrapped itself around his mind. and was always one step ahead. It was as if something came and wrapped itself around his heart and guided him in a direction while still allowing him to be him. He pressed in a little harder as he wrote these words, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel of righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. He actually found himself breathing a little bit faster and he thought to himself, I'm not ashamed. There was a time when I was. And Paul had a moment when he was just ashamed of, of the way he tried to stamp out the church, the way he ripped families apart. The, he was ashamed of his lack of faith and his self-righteous attitude that he just stopped for a moment and thanked God for his patience, for his help. He thanked him for that moment on the side of the road when, when God had knocked him off of his horse. Because in that moment, everything changed. His life, his mission than his calling. His mind would have stayed there for a second, but Tertius just kind of showed up and he walked into the room and being a scribe that he was, he walked over, he looked at what Paul had written down and thought to himself, I'm going to have to rewrite that whole thing. So he sat down quietly and picked up the pen and he began to write and Paul began to dictate Speaking quietly, slowly at first, he said, there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who does good, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. Tertius kind of shook his hand out and looked as if he was ready for more, and Paul's voice began to pick up in intensity, and Tertius struggled to keep up, but he said these words, there's no one righteous, not even one. His memory slipped back to a time when he actually believed the exact opposite was true. He thought he was the only righteous one. He thought he was the standard, and everybody should be measured by his ability to be able to get things right and check all of the religious boxes, but now he knew different. Jesus was the only standard. And everybody else comes up far too short. Coming back to his train of thought, he began to speak again. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That, that seemed to ring true, so he said it again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He thought we all have that in common. Our good is just not good enough. Seemed a little hopeless. So he dove in a little deeper and he said, And all are justified by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And now Paul found himself actually looking over Tertius' shoulder thinking to himself, it's a gift that we don't deserve, but it's a gift that's offered. There's a gift of forgiveness there, of an offer to pay for a debt that we can't pay, a debt of sin that could only be paid by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. And Paul found himself getting tired, but he didn't want to slow down. So he just changed the pace and said this, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count Against them. And Paul took a breath for a second thinking, I've got so much to be forgiven for. I'm the chief of sinners, but by God's grace somehow he, he calls me a saint. I don't get that. By God's grace, a saint somehow made clean, somehow Justified. When he said that word, he began to say it again. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And his mind just kind of wandered for a moment. It was amazing to him. He was a former hitman, he killed Christians recreationally. And he thought to himself, oh my goodness, what a change! What a change. He'd been so lost, so undeniably lost, completely helpless, without hope. And this was so personal for him. It was as if he was writing his own story. So he pressed in. He said, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Tertius looked at him like, really? Say it again. So he did. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It was the first time that Paul smiled, because that was really good news. That was really, really good news, because he was thinking, into my powerless state, God actually interrupted my life, and He used His power to lay down His life for mine. He wanted to exchange my scars for His. He kept writing, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul could barely contain himself. I mean, like when I was still sinning, when I was still being a rebel, when when I was out doing my own thing, not before I came to my senses, not before I got my act together, not before I made things right, not before I got religion. I mean, while I was still sinning, Christ was dying. Paul grinned but he didn't stay dead. He died, but he didn't stay dead. He couldn't help himself. He said it. Clamped his shoulder on Tertius's, or clamped his hand on Tertius' shoulder. He lives! Tertius jumped. Really? Really? Paul apologized. He goes, I'm sorry. That's just really, really good news. He was getting ready to wrap up. So he said, okay, just one more thing. Just write down one more, a couple of questions. We'll pick it up from there the next time we get together. Tertius, write this down. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. The words came out of his mouth. Meganoita in Greek. He slammed the table. May it never be. Tertius jumped Again. Put down his quill. Can we take a break? Paul was so excited because his switch was in the full-on position. God used the first five chapters of the book of Romans to save my soul. When I was a little kid in Iwana, I memorized every single one of those verses that I just rattled through in my best attempt to try and make the book of Romans somewhat human, because honestly, it's a pretty complicated book. It's a legal document. But if we could see it through the lens of humanity, I wonder whether or not God would do something unbelievable inside of us. I memorized those verses as a kid, and when I was 18 years old, out doing my own thing, living as a rebel, trying to fill the hole in my soul with cheap substitutes like relationships and money and status and acceptance, those verses drove me nuts when I would try to sleep at night. There's no one righteous, not even one. At just the right time, God died for the ungodly while you were powerless, and boy, did I feel powerless. The verses kept coming to me over and over again, and I would try and push them away, but they would not relent. You know, F.F. Bruce is one of my favorite commentators. He said this. He goes, there's no telling what might happen when people begin to study the book of Romans. I had no idea. But I'd like to ask the question, what might happen to us? What if, out of this series, our scars actually made sense? I mean, I wasn't even trying to study Romans at the age of 18. I was trying to avoid it. But God wouldn't give up because through this book, God pursued and loved and died and paid and rose and pursued and convicted and demonstrated and waited and loved and reached and gave opportunity and waited some more and pursued and covered and protected and sometimes let me walk away and followed and forgave and cleansed and humbled and restored and healed and called and inhabited and he was faithful even when I was not. And that's all the words I have. I came to a place in my life when I just, I just knew I was broken and Jesus seemed whole. So that's the direction I went. John Newton was a slave trader who in his life was interrupted by an inconvenient Jesus. And at the end of his life, he said this, My memory's nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. So we covered five chapters of Romans. We tried, okay? Let me give you a quick summary. If I was talking too fast, which I always tend to do, all right? Here's a quick summary. Number one, salvation is available to all. Paul drives that home over and over again, regardless of your past, your position, your identity, your pain, your heritage, your decisions, your bank account, positive or negative, your education or lack thereof, white collar, blue collar, no collar at all, Main Street or Wall Street, Harley Davidson or Schwinn, steak lover or vegan, Ford or Chevy, Mac or PC, churched or not, it doesn't matter. Salvation from Jesus is available to all. It's available to all. Then Paul goes on and says, We're saved by grace. The Bible says that the price of sin is death, but God's grace, his undeserved and unmerited favor, saves us from the penalty because Jesus paid the penalty for our sin with his own life. And I will quote Paul after I say that, and thanks be to God. He stretches it out. He says we're saved by grace, but he also says we're saved by grace through faith. Jesus invites us to put our complete trust in him, faith in him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is not politically correct. It's not politically correct. Jesus did not say, I'm one of the ways, figure out your own truth and make your own life. That would be politically correct language in our world today, but that's not what Jesus said. I'm it, deal with it. It's tough talk. It's tough talk. In fact, he goes even further. He goes even further. Jesus has the audacity to say, um, there's two roads, a narrow road that leads to heaven, a broad road that leads to hell. There's a lot of people on that road. Take the narrow road. And for your information, there is no middle of the road or third road that we have created as a society. Because that's what we say, right? I'm just going to be here. I'm kind of middle of the road. You know, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. So I'm just going to stay here in this nice, comfortable little stream And Jesus whispers to us, just in case you're wondering, that middle of the road thing, that's just the ditch on the side of the road that leads to hell. And this is what you need to know about hell. Hell is hot and forever is a long time. That's all you need to know. I mean, Jesus is kind of bold, right? And he says, I want your complete trust and your total surrender. And the reason he gets to ask for that is because that's what he gave complete surrender, total trust. Paul goes on and says this, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can stand before God justified. I mean, because Jesus paid the penalty of sin, I can stand before God holding a sign that I don't deserve to hold. My sign should say, flagrant liar. Instead, because of what Jesus does, did on the cross, I get to hold a very different sign. The sign says two words. Not guilty. Not guilty. And when I stand before God, and I'm peeking out behind that little sign, wondering what in the world's going to happen to me, the reason I get to stand in front of God is because I can look around and see Jesus and say, I'm with Him. <laughs> I'm with Him. He covered me. We've been freed from the power of sin. The Bible says I'm no longer a slave to it, that I have a new life, a new identity, and a new purpose. And I'll be honest with you, there are times my old life calls to me. There are times I look back at my old life and I'm just like, you know what, it seemed a little easier. It wasn't as difficult. You know, I just kind of of went with the flow. I just kind of slid along. And then I have to ask the question, why why would I want to go back to something when I, above all people, recognize just how empty it really, really was? The Bible says we have a new freedom. And Paul says we're now free to become more and more like Jesus. If you notice, if you did your homework from last week and you did it, you actually read Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Thanks to all of you who actually sent me an email and said, I'm reading it. Don't really understand it, but I'm reading it. That's awesome. If you did that, you recognize that we actually dipped our toe into the first couple of verses of Romans chapter 6. And Paul asks a question. He asks a question that I just want to touch on this weekend. Because I think it's so unbelievably important. So don't forget everything we just covered. But Paul asks a question. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? And then he uses a little Greek phrase, meganoitus, my favorite words in all of Scripture because you can't say it quietly. Paul would have said, may it never be. You got to do the, cl- the teeth clenching thing or it doesn't fit, okay? He's a little ticked while he's saying it. Shall we go on sinning so the grace may abound? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? This is just like the question we taught unpacked last week, isn't it? Remember James, the brother of Jesus, asked the question, can salt water and fresh water flow out of the same spring? And we kind of looked at that question and said, well, the answer should be no. But it does sometimes. I mean, we're supposed to be just rivers of living water, and then we go to Costco and salt, 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 <laughs> right? And not the good kind of salty conversation that Paul talks about. I mean, so the answer to Paul's question, should we go on sinning so that grace could abound, is the same answer that we gave for James's question. Should water, can fresh water and salt water flow out of the same spring? The answer is No but we often don't live that way, do we? Can I tell you what this attitude sounds like? This attitude sounds like this. You know what? If God loves to forgive, I'm going to use my weekend choices to give him every opportunity to do what he loves to do. I mean, I mean, if he wants great, an opportunity to extend grace, watch how I go about this weekend, and let's just see. He's going to get lots of opportunity. He gets to be very gracious with me because I'm fully planning on entering into stuff I know I should not be doing. This is the attitude. It's like, let's sin some more so God's grace can cover more so we can repent at church and sing a couple extra verses of amazing grace. Doesn't that sound awesome? And Paul is like, may it never be. If I'm dead to sin... Why would I want to stay there? Let's be honest. We do a really good job of minimizing sin in our culture, don't we? We rename it so that it feels better to us. It's not adultery, it's a fling. It's not adultery, it's a one-night stand. It's not adultery, it's an affair. We have an affair in Linden in August, it's not the same thing. It's not stealing anymore. It's a misappropriation of funds. It's not idolatry anymore. We're just keeping up with the Joneses. You know, we can rename it all we want to. The reality is this. Every single one of those sins was serious enough that it cost Jesus his life. That little white lie nailed Jesus to a cross. Let's just not play games anymore with it, Right? Should we just keep on sinning? May it never be. If they could zoom in with the camera, which they're not going to do because that would be scary, and I actually lifted up the front part of my little thing, hair thing here. I've got a scar right on the right-hand side of my forehead, right up tucked here against my hairline. When I was seven or eight years old, uh, I went running to the front door one day, and the milkman was there. Back in the day, this was the day when people delivered milk to your front door. Anybody remember that? Yeah, you're old like me. Okay, so, um, and I went running to the door, and the guy said, it's time to pay for the milk bill, and so I went running for the money, but I wasn't supposed to handle the money. And when I turned around, I ran my forehead into the corner bead of the wall in my house, split my head wide open, blood spurting everywhere. It was awesome. Um, so, and my mom's like holding it together, trying to do the butterfly thing, you know, and here's the amazing thing about it. Over time, it healed and faded. You can barely even see it unless I point it to you. If I just go right here, there it is. I'm a poster child for the human body's ability to be able to heal itself. I love that God created that. And He put my head back together again. I think that's awesome. I can point to it and tell you a good story about it because I believe, above everybody, because I opened up my forehead, I believe that healing is good. The one thing I don't need to do to fully embrace the fact that healing is good is go and find another corner of a wall somewhere here in the building and whack my Shrek-sized head against it over and over and over again so that I bleed so that I can show you again just how good healing is. I don't have to do that. But we do that with sin all the time. Right? Remember what we talked about last week? Sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent. whack, whack. Whack. Romans, should I keep injuring myself over and over again just so I can be healed? That's crazy. I learned the lesson the first time. Foreheads and corner walls do not go together, especially when there is velocity involved, okay? That's crazy. Should I keep sinning repeatedly just so I can cheapen God's grace again and again? May it never be. Why would I do that? Why would I build a faith with an on-off switch? That's what Paul wants to know. Paul's saying, I live in God's grace every day, and I honor that grace by approaching every moment with this simple truth. If Christ is really in me, why do I keep going back to the things that break his heart? If he's really in me, If somehow, supernaturally, God resides inside of this broken human being, why would I continue to engage in those things that I know not only hurt Him, but hurt me? His scars for mine, His grace for my sin. As we walk through the process of being transformed from a sinner into a saint. When I came to Christ years ago, I, I came with all of this stuff that I really, really thought fulfilled me. But boy, was it ever empty. A hole in my soul the size of the Grand Canyon, and I tried to fill it with everything, every substitute that I could, that I could invent. I was very creative. When I gave my heart to Christ, all of a sudden, the things that I had been doing my whole life Suddenly, I had this mild distaste for them. They just didn't fill anymore. I find myself, found myself going to different places. I found myself asking different questions because I just saw this big pile of garbage in my life and, and it didn't do anything. It was empty. So maybe today you walked into the room and you were like, is this a play? Like, what's the guy with the microphone doing today? I don't understand. Maybe you heard some of the words that I was saying out loud, and, and, and maybe you didn't even know that that was the message of one of the most beautiful books of all of Scripture, that God has this unbelievable plan of salvation for everyone who's willing to listen. Maybe you didn't expect coming today, thinking that, that you were going to have any kind of a spiritual encounter whatsoever, but the words began to ring, through, ring true, and all of a sudden, you, something just dropped into your head. It's like, I know what it feels like to be powerless. At just the right time, while we were still powerless, Jesus died for the ungodly. I don't have to clean up my act, really? He can clean my act up for me? How could that be? That's why we call it good news, the gospel. It's good news. I hear this all the time from people. Christians, I don't get it, man. Christianity is just a crutch. That's really good news when you're a cripple. That's really good news. It's like something's, somebody's going to help me walk. Somebody's going to help me move towards wholeness. Really? That's too good to be true. I seem to be disposable for everybody else in my world. Maybe he didn't plan on coming today and getting interrupted. Can I tell you something? Paul didn't plan on getting interrupted either. And God went to great lengths to get a hold of his attention. And it would seem just crazy to me to talk about the fact that there's no one righteous, not even one. that That our good's not good enough and not offer somebody some kind of hope. Can I tell you something? Not only do I get to stand with a sign that says not guilty, I also get to stand with a sign that says forgiven. And you can too. It's the beauty of the gospel. The door's not closed. Jesus is still in open enrollment. He wants you to be a part of His family. His scars for ours. So here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and pray with me. And today, if something resonated deep in your soul, and today is the day when God has actually reached out and grabbed a hold of your attention. It's like, I didn't plan on doing this. That's okay. None of us did. But this might be your moment when you fully understand that everything that we just read from the first five chapters of the book of Romans were written specifically for you. For me to. So you join me as we pray? Let's bow our head and close our eyes just so we can concentrate. As we're preparing to pray, let me just ask you a question. Have you trusted Jesus? Do you know that he died to save you? Would you be willing to put your complete trust in him? And receive this beautiful gift of salvation today. You can. You can have a brand new life today. All the old stuff gone. Everything becoming new. If that's your heart and that's your desire. Would you pray this prayer with me? Just quietly in your heart. Jesus right now I'm placing my full trust in you. I confess God. I've sinned against you because I did life my way. But it's empty. Jesus, would you forgive me? I believe you died for me. You paid for my sin in full. So right now, God, I don't understand it all. But I give my life to you fully, completely. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for not giving up on me. God, I give myself to you with all the baggage all the scars. And I ask that you would wash my soul clean and make me new. As we continue to pray, nobody's looking around. If you prayed that prayer, I'll make you a promise. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you this week. If you prayed that prayer, would you just slip your hand up so that I could see it? God bless you bless you. God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God, thank you for new life. Thank you for not giving up on us, God. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to understand that we love because you first loved us. God, thank you for the book of Romans. We don't understand a lot of it. But Lord, would you open our eyes so we could be enlightened. Lord, I pray for those who've taken this amazing first step of trust and surrender. God, I pray that they would know that not only do you love them, but Lord, the family of Christ the King loves them too. And we would love nothing more than to be their family and walk with them and to begin this relationship together with you. So Father, would you empower us to be a church that loves and cares well. Would you watch over and protect those that have come today just and taken this very first step? I pray that they would know you and that they would experience Christ in me. We pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So, can I talk to those of you who raised your hand just for a second? I know this might seem a little strange, but if you raised your hand today, could I invite you to dinner and a movie? I know that might sound weird, but we do something here at Christ the King called Alpha. It's Monday nights. It starts tomorrow. And here's what it is. It's the safest environment we have at Christ the King where you can come and ask really hard questions, and nobody's going to give you a hard time with your question. I mean, I think it's important, right? Like the question, like, why am I here? Why did Jesus have to die? What's this thing? This thing here. Everybody's sitting around, hanging out. You sing together. It's weird. It's okay to ask those questions. We want to answer those questions. And we care about it so much. We'll buy your dinner. We'll make sure that the movie gets started. We'll put you in a small group of people that are on the same journey that you're on. We'll pay for your childcare. We'll take care of the whole thing. All we want you to do is come. So Rick and Ann Campbell are kind of like the mom and dad of Alpha. Okay, Rick and Ann... They were on their way, actually, to go to another country to become fully immersed in an alternative religion, and Jesus interrupted them and flipped their life upside down. And because of that, they lead Alpha because it's just a, that's their heart. They love people that are on their journey just checking out Jesus and trying to figure this whole thing out. After the service, Rick and Ann and their team are going to be in the commons to the left. All you need to do is walk over there and say, can I sign up for Alpha? And they'll say, yes, you can. And we'll see you tomorrow night for dinner and a movie. It's as simple as that. It's a great next step. For those of you who are veterans, I don't know how you can read what we've just read in Romans and not want to respond in some way. So if you are a veteran that's here and you have never been baptized, let me be subtle. Step up. Be obedient. Do what Jesus asked you to do. Full trust. Full trust full surrender. We're going to baptize baptize in two weeks. I'm going to preach about it next week. We're going to baptize the week after. If you have never taken that step, it's time. It's time. No more games. Let's go. Was that subtle? Okay. All right. Something for you to think about as the next step for you. So as we get ready to wrap up this weekend, we're going to continue to worship Jesus through singing and giving back to God our tithes and our offerings. If you're a guest this weekend, could you do me a big favor? If you're a guest, would you please be a guest? When the offering comes down your row, just let it pass you by. We don't want anything from you at all. The fact that you came, that's your gift to us. Then we just absolutely, we hope you'll come back and become a part of our family. For those of you that attend this church, this is your church. If Christ the King's your church, this moment of giving, I probably, I probably don't highlight it enough. But this is an important moment of discipleship. And as the people of God, we want to give back to God joyfully and completely, just like Jesus did. So I want to encourage you to be generous so we can continue to be a miracle for people. We have people that pour in our doors all throughout the week, and we get an opportunity to be their miracle when they come looking for an answer because of your faithfulness. And I just want to encourage you to continue to do that. So the ushers are going to start in the back, work their way towards the front. When the offering passes you by, would you stand with the band, and let's worship Jesus together. Welcome to the book of Romans. It's going to get crazier from here. God bless you. Have a good weekend.